Welcome to episode 746 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 746 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm okay, and you? I, 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 I delayed and you kind of... You did, you, you threw you, me. You were keen to get on in, weren't you? You got your pack and save socks on. They've got my pack and save. Triathlon Festival is on this weekend. I don't do your race, but John, I do support you pack and save. Good. I tell them I only shop there because of this. Great. Do you want me to I'll tell them? Next time I go and I'll tell the checkout lady, I said, I used to count at Countdown, shop at Countdown. Not anymore. Not anymore, because I did a triathlon at Pack and Save. Nice. Uh, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by... The Legends brand. It's cool apparel for athletes who are fit and lean and mean. And even athletes who aren't fit, mean and lean, just athletes. And our patrons. Uh, you want me to do the first one, won't you? you? I do. <laughs> James Shizgill, Thunder Down Under. Yeah, I'm going to do the Apple on that one because that is out there. Let's have a look. It's S-Z-C-Z-Y-G-I-E-L. That's uh, not happening. Okay, Robert, uh, Dr. Do Good Turnbull. And Roger, the Chop Canum. Uh, Give him the Chop. And this week we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. A great interview. Barry Siff. We've had him on before. Former, about to be former sort of president of uh, USAT, but also involved with ITU. No, he's I think he's already, he, quit U, IT, he quit the US last year. And yes. he's about to retire from the board of the ITU. Yeah, but very knowledgeable man. and, and uh, Great interview. Really good interview. Yeah. Uh, we may do a Coach's Corner. We'll have a little Coach's Corner. I think we should have time today. Okay. And then we've got some wingers and wing of the week and questions and answers. And then, John, there's not much news happening, John. But the one thing we are going to say is there's not going to be much races till the end of the year. I Man have said there's no more in America. I'm in, yeah, I Man, we just literally got this as we were about to start the show. I Man Group announces it will not hold any further events in the United States during uh, 2020. So... As far as triathlon, that doesn't really affect things too much because I don't think there was that many races left anyway. Maybe a 70.3 here or there, um, but it probably were, may well affect things a bit more as some of their running running events and so on. Um, yeah, the only races we're probably going to see is a few in New Zealand and Australia. We've got a... The Oxman. Uh, we've got the Oxman. We've also got a PTO-supported event down here in Rotorua, um, probably the week after next, and no doubt there'll be a couple of races in Australia. Normally a quiet time of the year anyway, um, but it's going to be particularly quiet this year. Okay, so the PTO have announced that it is a partner of the USA Triathlon Foundation to launch a COVID-19 triathlon relief fund leading into the 20 PTO 2020 Championships at Challenge Daytona. Uh, the relief fund donation, basically when you're watching it, they're going to have an, a donation button. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching the Daytona race, which get out there and watch it, let's support this race, uh, there will be a triathlon relief fund, and it's basically to help those who have been most affected during the pandemic, including race directors, coaches, clubs, and athletes who have experienced financial hardship in the USA, UK, and around the world. Fans will have the opportunity to donate to the COVID-19 Triathlon Relief Fund as a part of the live stream broadcast. Since triathlon is a truly global sport, but lives in the gra- at the grassroots levels, the use of the donations will be targeted to the countries or regions designated by the donor. Okay, so you actually get to choose which country you want to donate to. Well, it, it, it just gets tagged to whatever country you're from. Okay, that's great. supports people there. Uh, that's good. Uh, funds raised in the UK, yeah, so basically that's what's going to happen there. So that's pretty cool. So there's two things going on there. Firstly, you can just donate um, when you're watching the coverage. So go for, go for gold with that. Uh, and knowing that you're going to be supporting 
the sport in your area, the people that are really struggling. In New Zealand, it's a little bit different now. You know, we're kind of, we're okay down here, but I mean, know elsewhere in the world, you know, well, what's coaches, up, what about you? You know, this year's been a tough year for you as a coach and as, as an organiser. But I think if I put things that into perspective compared to elsewhere in the world, yep. I think it's okay. You know, um, elsewhere, I think there's a lot of hurt going on. So if you've got a few spare bucks, um, support them there. There's also a uh, auction that this, I think it kicked off maybe even today. Uh, and they're doing so a 10 day auction, giving uh, away five prizes every day. Um, some pretty cool things in there. I saw an email came through this morning. Like, yeah, there's one, it's a one-on-one session with Dave Scott. Oh, cool. Uh, there's obviously lots of product based prizes. Sorry. Well, Dave Scott's, he was, you know, because <laughs> even as an old man, not taking as old, but he's he is old. Um, he he destroys himself. Yeah, but even just to have a one-hour chat with Dave Scott would be pretty cool. Uh, if you are, you know, if you're an executive or something, and you've got a few spare bucks, just to sit down with him for an hour, Maurice, would be, Maurice, would be cool. Maurice, you know, um, you know, Maurice wanted to do the camp. Is it Maurice? What's her name? Lovely lady, Marisa. Marisa, Marisa, Marisa. Um, she did a camp with Dave Scott in Hawaii. Yeah, and no one else. Basically, something happened, and basically no one turned up. And she was like, "Oh, don't worry, you don't have to run." He said, no, "I'll run it." So he shared basically three or four days with Dave just by herself. Yes, yeah, it was right. pretty cool. That'd be awesome. So get on to um, protriathletes.org, uh, sign up to their um, their emails so you can get all the news. But they're doing some great things. And, and following on from that, uh, another announcement: so the PTO do provide us with plenty of news well, each week. Where, where would our news be this year if they went around? <laughs> So they've announced a maternity leave policy for women's PTO professionals. Uh, so under the policy, a woman PTO professional shall be entitled to take up to 15 months of maternity leave beginning from her pregnancy date and e- ending six months after the birth. Um, at the time of pregnancy, her PTO world ranking will be fixed and during her maternity leave, she'll be paid monthly payments based on 100% of the PTO annual bonus plan um, so for example uh, if you are ranked uh, number five in the world you'd be entitled to a $60,000 bonus payment at the end of the calendar year in the event you became pregnant um, you would just get payments of $5,000 a month for 15 months um, so pretty awesome oh phenomenal yeah how many other I've got no idea if any other sport in the world would do this I could be completely wrong but I've never heard of this happening before and it's just another way that they really want to just foster the the pro athletes, make it fair and equitable. Because for a lot of females triathletes, they're probably thinking, just got to hang on. I've only got so many years, and they hang on and hang on and hang on and hold off uh, having children. Whereas this, you know, it's just one way they can take a bit of pressure off. So it's pretty amazing, really, isn't it? I, I, yeah. I, I do still think of it. Oh, they're throwing all the money away, not not for this cause. Yeah. Because I think this is pretty impressive, really. Like, it's mm. what a cool thing. Uh, because it is that thing of a female athlete. This is a choice that she has to face. That lots of male athletes don't necessarily have to face in, in the mm. way that they have to pull away from the sport so much. Um, and so it's really cool. Um, yeah, awesome. Good initiative. So Daytona I is suppose the question is, how many people will it affect? So how many top 50 pros have we seen stop and have kids? Probably a handful in the last... Yeah, like you think Miranda Carfrey, yeah. uh, current crop. You'd say Caroline Stephen kind of did, but there's more the later part of her career. Yeah, and a lot have gone away and have had babies, and yep. maybe they would have stayed in the sport. Someone like Rachel Joyce, she went away and hasn't come back. Yep. Chrissy Wellington, she went away and hasn't come but back. But she'd gone. She kind of had she'd gone quit, anyway. Yeah. 
um, Erin Baker in her time, she went away and, and came back. Uh, and I'm sure there's other examples. Gwen Jorgensen, she's come back, she's gone back to running, but same sort of thing. So uh, you probably see at any one time probably three, maybe five athletes at max who would be utilising this of a level where they are getting the funding. Yeah, uh, thinking more examples, Rad- Radka Carterfelt, she's come back, and Nicola Spur could be another example. So yeah, I would I would agree with you there, sort of somewhere in that three to five range at any one particular time. Yeah. But you've got to remember, they've got to be... Pretty high level. Pretty high level. You've only got to be ranked in the top 100 to get a bonus, I think it is. Um, But to get a a decent amount, yeah, sort of you need to be in the top 10. So good on them. That's our news for this week. Not a great deal. Next week we're going to talk about, hopefully, we'll actually see the start list for the um, Daytona race because I know they've got the rankings, but I keep saying this every week. We haven't actually seen who's heading over there. And... uh, Almost positive. Braden Curry's not because I saw him. See how much coverage coverage that race got? We had this race called the Five Passes. Which is basically a bit like John's Epic Camp, really. Bigger. They they have 90 people, but it's basically a recreational riders. Ride with some some racing in there. And uh, they, had, they did have Braden Curry and Dougal Allen and another Sam. Who's the guy who wins? Uh, Sam Manson. Yeah. Um, so they had three really good guys in it, but it got on the news like three nights. In a row. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was shocked and dismayed. Somebody at TVNZ yeah, well was riding. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect. Okay, this week's discussion, John, is which triathlete should have quit in their prime but kept going and lost a little bit of their aura. Uh, so Michael Taylor, and I guess with this question here. I wasn't trying to be nasty to people. No. Um, it's just going, you look at people and go, oh, should you have retired? But then on the flip side, I go, well, why should you have to retire? If you want to keep racing pro, then go for it. Uh, but Michael Taylor said, if you love racing, and ke- then keep going until you're done. Seeing Brownie and Crowey racing uh, hard well into their 40s is inspiring. Our sport isn't just about winning, thankfully. That's a good point. John Weirs has got, I appreciate Mecca's ITU return in 2010 or something around then, uh, but he was a bit out of his league at the time. And then Doug Reynolds got, I was going to say Mecca as well, was a silly move, but then John came back and said, he came back and won Kona that year, so it must have done something right. Had he done, or was it after his second Kona win? I think it was after I think that's not because it was for right. the it was for the UK. No, was it for UK? No, I can't I can't remember. But I don't think he came back and did well at long course afterwards. No, could be wrong. He might have won. He did, he, he did remember he won the long course world championships. That might ITU be right. At one stage. Yeah, I think that might be right. It was after I think. It was Someone after correct us if we're wrong. If Macca did go back to ITU and then came back and won Kona or did exceedingly well in Kona, let us know. I'd rather I'd like to get that correct if we've got, if we've got it wrong. But I think he, I don't think he did. It was a bit of a painful watch. He was out the back door pretty badly. Good on him for giving well, it a crack. Well, 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 do you want to talk about that now? Because I know you've got it in your notes. Uh, we'll save it till the end. Okay. Um, who have I got here? Uh, Thomas, Thomas Mika, uh, Pete Jacobs, and the Railer. It's both of them. Sorry. Sad face. Uh, Matthew Ben's got John Newsom. No, sorry. John, could have missed a chance, mate. Uh, just a friendly banter, not an attack on John. Sad. Uh, I have to say that a bit inside his face. But ha- having said that, I think I was kind of fortunate because I really wasn't very good. Um, and so oh, you, you weren't up. A, yeah, I know. But when you're at the top, you've kind of, you don't have. It's, it's tricky, you know, because if you do want to just keep going, there is it's just going to be a slide down, and then people like us, what we're doing now, going, that guy should have given up at the top, or that girl should have given up at the top. So I was kind of fortunate that I wasn't actually very good, so nobody really noticed when I just kept on going. Yeah, and he, he's got the obvious answer as Lance. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's a good one. His first comeback, obviously after cancer, was amazing. Now, put the drugs to one side. His first comeback, his second comeback was... Uh, it was going back to triathlon. Impressive. 
He did sorry? it right. Ryan Triathlon. Oh, sorry, I suppose in Triathlon, he would have done ex- extremely well. Oh, Again, drugs put the drugs to one side. Uh, I don't know if he won Kona, but he would have done very well. Well, you can't That's, put the drugs aside, but can you? You can't. <laughs> There's no. no problem with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's a drugs cheat. <laughs> uh, what else here, John? Uh, Clyde Rosanowski says Pete Jacobs. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, so Burnson, good old Marcus Burnson's got Alistair Magnus. Brownlee. Oh, Magnus, sorry, Magnus Burnson's got Alistair Brownlee. I would have almost said that a and couple of months that, yeah, ago. Yeah, we've got to change our turn on it, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, Greg Gorman says Jason Shorter. So Jason Shorter was a very good Ironman. Australian? Uh, Australian Ironman. Probably, I don't think he ever got in the top 10 in Kona, but he won a lot of Ironman he was races. He ex-runner, wasn't he? Cycler runner. Uh, well, no, he, he was a shit swimmer. Yeah. Uh, he was just good swim, good good bike runner. He didn't look like an athlete because he was a bit of a stocky uh, he was dude, wasn't he? Bulky, yeah. yeah so I raced him once in uh, in Japan and uh, he was solid, solid big unit. unit. Yeah. Uh, Greg Gorman's got, uh, oh no, sorry, Brian Lafur's got Brent Ben Shaw. I don't know who Ben Shaw is. Oh, right. I saw this. I didn't see that comment. Uh, he's He just got busted for drugs last week. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, literally last week. He was an ITU guy and he did a bit of the Super League stuff. Okay. And he's one of those guys that often attacked off the front and he crashed, I think, in one of those Super League races once. Uh, sort of attacks off the front and you go, you're not going to get anywhere. And he didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he tested positive and, and hasn't uh, fought the charge. So he's got his four oh, so he's up. Uh, well, he didn't own up, but he didn't fight the charge. Which is kind of uh, up, isn't it? Yeah, and got a four-year ban. Tom Garvey's got anyway. Uh, whoever was opposite Chrissy Wellington, right? You know, Chrissy. Chrissy is the opposite of this answer, isn't she? Mm. She stopped at the right moment. She was went out on top. Well, you'd argue she stopped too early. You could argue that she probably had another two wins in her easily. Mm. You know, she, when she stopped, it was a right shock to the sport, wasn't it? It was. Okay, John, your thoughts? Uh, I just had a little list there. I said uh, Andreas Raylert. Um, he, I think he's still going now. They were still going th- this season, both the Raylerts. Look at his results. John's got down here the results from 2000, so 2009, third, 2010, second. Was that the Mecca year? It was. Yes, I think so. 2011, third, 2012, second, 2015, second. And that to, when he came back in 2015, I thought he was kind of done for then. And that was one where he came back and he was never in the race for the win, was he? You just had an well, amazing he run. He ran himself extremely well into second. That was uh, when Frodo won. Yeah. And Rayleigh was, I'm pretty sure, was running him down. Um, and he looked amazing. He is by far the best who hasn't won it. I think I would have to agree. When with you that. see those results, no mm. one else has got that many top threes mm. and and three seconds. Mm. And, and they were, uh, sometimes, like when you talk about Cameron Brown, he got on the podium a couple of times. He was never going to win it, was he? He was a long way back yeah. from winning it. Um, but the, a lot of his placings there, Ray Lertz, Andreas Ray Lertz, were Well, the, the Mecca close. year, he was unbreakable up until that race. Mm. That year with Mecca, he was just unbelievable. And, they, and he, yeah, I can't believe he lost that much time at the end of the run. He lost like about two minutes just from um, It was literally like 200 Palani. metres ago, wasn't it? Well, no, it was about, it's about a mile there, but he lost, I think, nearly two minutes. But you just want uh, your crack, your crack, don't you? You do. Yeah. Uh, other names I had down, Spencer Smith. He hung on for a long time. Oh, really? Spencer Smith was a really good ITU athlete um, in non-drafting. And then drafting came in, did pretty kind of just didn't do it really and then did Ironman and had a few good races but he kind of hung in there hung in there hung in there what was the best he did in Ironman uh, like was he, he contender in Kona a, he got about a fifth or something like okay. that I don't, he, he didn't get on the podium but about a fifth so he, he did okay but again as an ITU athlete he was a monster two time world champion until like, they brought drafting in until they brought draft he won in he won the last non-drafting world champs in 1994 he won in 1992 
and then 1994, I think it was. Uh, and then the next year was drafting. He never did a, a, a ITU race or draft legal race world championships at least. Uh, so why? Was he a that. terrible swimmer? Um, I think it was just more his principles. He, he was a great swimmer, uh, but he was a great biker. Not and a great runner? He was a very good runner, but he probably wouldn't have been a winning runner in a, in a draft legal race. He was, again, really stocky. Um, was he stubborn to his own fault? Um, well... Because it's not even try. He was, he was a real winner, and he would have been getting third to tenth probably, okay. somewhere in the end. I think he would have just said, what's the point? I'll, I'll go and do non-drafting races in the States, and that's where he went. Did, did well, but at iron, half iron distance and iron distance at least, uh, didn't do... Kept on going for a little bit too long. Here's a good one. John's got Ivan Rano, and I find this a really good one because I've only known him as an Ironman. Mm-hmm. And kind of only every time we've gone to Kona, I've kind of known him, and he's mm. never really delivered in Kona. At least I don't know if he's done much outside he, of Kona. He had some great Ironmans outside of Kona. Okay, um, but he was quite a good ITU guy as well, wasn't he? He was. He was a world champion. He lost a sprint finish in 2004 at the World Champs to Bevan Doherty, um, and one of the pro- one of the all time great sprint finishes. Uh, it went on for for quite some distance. So shoulder to shoulder on the run, uh, and prior to that, in the years sort of the late. So the early 2000s, he was one of the real dominating forces really? on, the, on the circuits. He was extremely he's still good. racing now, isn't he? He's still racing now. And uh, he went away and did a bit of cycling. And yeah, when I look at guys like that, you just go, I hope you still love it and I hope you're still enjoying it and you're not just doing it because you haven't got anything else to do. Um, so like when you look at Crowey and Brownie and stuff, they still seem to just be buzzing and yeah. loving it. Yeah. Um, but some pros, you look at them going, do you still love it? Maybe they do. I'm not sure. It's hard... You know, it's hard with aging to try to chase to be better than what you were when you were younger when it's no longer possible. Mm. You know, you, you sometimes meet that person who's trying to catch up with yesterday and where yesterday is no longer possible. Mm. And it's such a fascinating person because you're, you're chasing a dream that you're just ultimately going to fail at. Mm. And to, to let go of that and accept it, it can be a challenge for people. But there are people out there who are kind of in that. I've got to be honest, we t- the first time I think we ever interviewed David Scott – like he was pretty injured at the time. He was talking about mm. coming back to Cone next year. And, and, you know, this is probably 2006 or seven. Mm. You know, he was well gone. Mm. And it, I don't, he wasn't going to think he was going to be a contender, but he was, you know, he was talking a big game. But that's when you've got to look, your search for that near perfect performance yeah. rather than necessarily going, well, it's Being not fast. the fastest time. Yeah. And that's what I still search for is, is um, performance with the fitness you've got at the time. And, uh, and just going, that was an amazing swim, bike, and run. And, for where I'm at, I could never have gone any faster than that. So that's that's at least that's what I search for anyway. You've still got, haven't bloody found it. You, <laughs> you must have one perfect day. No, I've not had a day where every single thing has gone amazingly. I've gone pretty close, but there's always and maybe you, I'm not a perfectionist, but maybe that's you're just being a bit hard on yourself. But yeah, I have not had a day where it has been awesome swim bike, run, transitions, couldn't fault any single part of the race. See, maybe because I don't know, I'm not as detailed as you, because I definitely feel I've had a couple races in my time. Mm. Maybe not an Ironman level. Oh no, when I'm on my age group, I think I probably, in New Zealand, I think I executed really well that day. Um, and definitely a couple, one and a half, one of the Wanaka halves I did, I felt I, now I wasn't as fit then, mm. but I think I executed really well. Mm. Um, Mac is ITU. Yeah, that was a reasonably hard watch, and... To give him credit, you know, he was giving a crack. He was trying to make the Olympics and what was... He was trying to be a domestique, wasn't he? That was his argument. Well, the problem... He wasn't good enough. 
No, it, it was partly the problem, but the, the, the advantage he had, the Australian t- team at the moment, at that time, was very, very weak. Yep. So you had a legitimate chance. Uh, and so I don't think he was being foolish in terms of actually making, trying to make the squad and make the games. But in terms of being competitive on the ITU, he was you know, way, way off the pace. But he, he actually got reasonably close. I, I, to be honest, I love that he did it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it was interesting and it was like good on him because he missed the Olympics. That was, that was the reason he went long. Mm. So the Sydney experience made him think, screw, you know, Australian triathlon and went long. And, and it was his story is such an interesting story because he won the world championship young didn't make the Olympics, God knows why. Mm. And, you know, so he's, does, the, does the fingers to the Australian triathlon community. Goes to Ironman, everyone thinks he's going to be the dominator forever. Fails like six times. Mm. Finally wins it. Next year has a bike mechanic, comes back and wins it again. And then at the end of his career, thinks, you're going to have a crack. Like I thought it was good on him. Um, what about females? I didn't have any good females. I, I was racking my brains there. And I looked through, quickly looked through like all the Ironman results and I wasn't finding many females that hung that I felt hung on too long and really just became journey sort of athletes. I think the females may be a bit more sensible and go on with other parts of their life. Often that involves having children yeah. in, in many circumstances. Um, but I couldn't find many examples of females that kind of Carolyn just Stephen? hung in there. Yeah, but she kind of, yeah, but she was, yeah, to a degree. Yeah. You know, like in the last moment of her career, she wasn't really... You know, there was a moment where Caroline was a bit like Raylert, where every year, kind of, there's probably two or three years where she'd head up to Kona and we were like, two's to lose. Yeah, no, um, yeah, she would be a reasonable example. I didn't find, didn't find many. I didn't find any, actually, because I haven't got any others here. Not many. Leander Cave? Yeah, oh, she, but she came back and, well, no, she had an ITU career, then went to Kona, and I don't think she was going to do particularly well. And then she had that year when she won the, um, seventy point three world champs, and then went on went on to win uh, Kona. Kona. But then I suppose after that, yeah, yeah, she, she and she hung around. Right. She was kind of doing some races, and she'd get like a tenth, and, mm. and it was kind of like, what's all this about? Mm. So yeah, not not many, but there are a couple out there. This week's discussion: Would you pay to watch Kona live race day coverage each year? And if so, what would be the maximum amount of dollars that you'd be willing to pay? It's a really good question. Because I was thinking about that today, thinking I thought, with this Daytona race. Would people actually be prepared to pay for it and how much? And then I thought, I'll put it on Kona. Cause well, it's an interesting pe- question, John, because um, this year in New Zealand, so I, I have to admit, I borrow my father-in-law Sky, I think. Do you do that as well? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, so, but cricket's no longer on Sky this year. This is again how the discussion came up last night at our house. Spark Sport is basically the new competition in New Zealand for paid TV. And they've offered cricket. You can, you, they've bought cricket. Now, they also have other sports, but like Premier League sports that I'm not really into. So I, like, I do love watching a bit of cricket. Mm-hmm. You, know, I like, you know, I love a bit of cricket. And I, in a season, I'll probably watch five games. And you watch it because it's on the t- on the TV. You put it on the background, it's, yeah. you know. But I, I, you know, if it's day night, I watch it. I watch probably second innings. So I do like cricket. They want f- twenty nine bucks a month. Really? Yeah. And and um, <laughs> I'm such a tired. Oh yeah, and, and and we're not the best people to be asking because we are tired asses. <laughs> and I was like, oh, do I really want to pay that much for cricket? But in saying that, it's what December January. Yeah. So it's going to cost me sixty bucks to watch probably. You know, anywhere from five to seven games of cricket, which I'll enjoy watching. Mm. Um, I probably need to support cricket on this one. Yeah, <laughs> something gets tight ourselves. But it's—I uh, think it's a 
it's a great model going forward because I'm in a, a similar boat. I paid for a couple of months of watching Tour de France because okay, I, put, I put that amount of value on it and that was in that same price bracket. Maybe it was 30 bucks a month or something like that that I paid for a couple of months to watch some cycling. Um, but you've got to be fairly invested into it and I just wonder, people, a reasonable number of people watch the Kona coverage but when it actually comes to going... Even if it's like 20 bucks, would you actually Well, let's talk about next week because it's a really good discussion. So the discussion is, uh, would you watch pay to watch Kona live race day coverage? And if so, what would be the maximum amount you'd be willing to pay? Okay, John, we've got a great interview. Okay, we've got Barry. I thought we were going straight into it, but Barry Siff, here he comes. Oh, I was going to let you do the... T- 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 Barry Siff, the, the voice of American Troy. Here he is. Okay, guys, um, a name we haven't had on the show for, uh, for a little while, but we have had previously. The voice of American Triathlon. Exactly. Barry, Barry Siff. He's uh, been on the World Triathlon ITU Executive Board. He's been on the USAT um, Executive Board and been the president um, for a number of years. Uh, former race director as well. And as Bevan said, he's the voice of American Triathlon in the past. Uh, also now involved in handball. And I even see, saw on his uh, email involved in boxing as well so welcome along to the show Barry. Hey it's great to talk to you guys again I always always enjoy it and look forward to speaking with you. Did, well, don't miss a bear of the boxing what got you yeah. into boxing? How do you like that? Yeah <laughs> I just can't I can't control myself you know a lot of people say the the key to effective leadership is to learn how to say no and I haven't learned that yet. <laughs> but I've, always, I've always been a boxing fan and uh, you know, I'm just I'm just doing a few things with USA Boxing now to help them help them along uh, from a fundraising, sponsorship, partnership standpoint, as well as some governance stuff. So, yeah, wherever I can help, you know, it's fun. So, give give us a bit of insight into you know, in terms of your role with USAT being the president. You know, a lot of us are just going to sit there and and we don't know if these roles are paid roles, what you actually do. So, maybe give us a bit of an overview of the role of the president of USAT and and how that sort of panned out over the the past years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a volunteer role. Uh, my first couple of years, it was very much close to full time. Um, because of the challenges we had. And so I was working easily 30 plus hours a week in a volunteer role, working closely with the CEO who is paid uh, and, and a little bit of the staff. And then just having, you know, the board sets the strategy for the organization and just make sure that the, the management team and the staff kind of, you know, executes the strategy. Uh, but, but oftentimes the board is, is not as a, uh, tight-knit or as, as clearly functional. And when I took over, I took over from a president who actually had a heart attack, um, <laughs> largely attributable to the challenges of the position. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember him telling me that the two keys to this job is to lead the meetings and, and have a good cardiologist. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it actually turned into be a, po- a really positive experience. You know, it's it's really rewarding to be able to give back to the the sport that you love. And, you know, I've been doing triathlon since 1986. So I've been at it a long time and, and um, it's just my way of, of contributing a little bit. And I think, you know, we've successfully done that. We've got a very, very strong federation here in the United States, very, very successful, you know, in a, in a non COVID time period, you know, we're executing over 4,000 events across our country and, you know, lending help to other countries, um, uh, et cetera. So the big thing is to 
as president to, you know, set strategy and make sure it gets done. And you have a board of 11 uh, people and, uh, you know, it's, it's getting the board to work in a, in a cohesive way, but, but in a good, um, good discussion way, you know, different points of view and to listen. Just, just on, on that front, when you took the transition over and, and the guy before you basically had health problems due to the role, yeah. was it a concern for you? You know, I know you're obviously a healthy man and you've prioritized, you know, sport in your life, but was that a concern on a personal level and how did you make sure you didn't get caught in that trap yourself? Yeah, it wasn't a concern from a health standpoint um, at all, you know, and that upsets my wife sometimes because <laughs> I feel like I'm invincible, but I do. I feel like I'm super healthy and um, I, I don't have any lingering issues at all, but I will tell you that there there were definitely times over the years as president that the stress level was, you know, exceedingly high, exceedingly high, you know, affecting my sleep and things like that. So I would say it affected me more as a triathlete than, than in my lifestyle. You know, there were times um, absolutely when I was training for Ironman, for example, and I wasn't able to commit the way I needed to commit because of the amount of work I had and the, uh, the pressure of, of the position. But when things are running smoothly, it's, it's awesome. And, and in the last couple of years, um, everything at USA Triathlon has been running, I think, quite smoothly until, of course, this, this last year. Well, just as a kind of a step back question, what is the role of USAT? What's, you know, it's a big picture role. What do you see it as? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, USAT is set up to, to help grow this amazing sport of triathlon in the United States and to, to help um, event organizers, to help. We, we provide the resources to execute the sport of triathlon. Um, we, we support coaches. We support race directors. We support officials. Um, we do everything we can to help grow uh, the sport by providing those resources. So we sanction races and by sanctioning races, we're providing our expertise, um, our insurance coverage uh, and, and, and rules and regulations in the sport of triathlon without a governing body, you know, it would be all over the board like it was in the early years. And there are a lot of people who feel like, you know, back in 1978 and 74, excuse me, um, you know, Maybe the, some of those years were, were fun, and, and there are throwback races where rules aren't as stringent. But I think what we do is, uh, you know, and on the ITU side, I always quote Marisol Casado as saying, you know, providing safe and fair events. And I think that's a, a key, key point is providing safe and fair, helping, helping race directors provide safe and fair events and helping uh, triathletes know that when they go to USAT sanctioned event, uh, there are rules, there are everyone will be treated fairly. And, uh, and, and then we provide the resources for growing the sport. So you mentioned, you know, there were some, some tough challenges in those early years. Um, so what, what were the biggest challenges um, in those early years? Yeah, well, we, we had a really divisive board in, in, in 20, you know, 13 and 14 in particular. Bob, Bob had his health issues in 2014, and that's when I took over as president. Um, it was a very divided board. Um, there were, you know, lots of issues that split us. Uh, more money, you know, significant challenges with our elite athletes. Um, you know, the focus trying to shift it more toward our elite athletes, away from our age groupers. Um, and, and, and there was just a lot of, 
a lot of discontent. And, and as a result of this board that's really supposed to be setting strategy, if we're not functional, poor staff, you know, our CEO and our staff, it just isn't getting the right direction. And that was really, really a big, big problem. Um, and, and, and now we've got a great CEO in place in Rocky Harris. Uh, I think one of the best CEOs in, in, in not only sport of triathlon, but in the Olympic movement. And he's able to do his job with his staff and we just, you know, the biggest challenge is to stay out of management's way because, you know, you've got people on the board of directors who, who are triathletes, most of them. And, and so they have opinions, you know, and they want to get in the, in the weeds. Want to talk about transition areas and want to talk about, you know, rankings and want to talk about even rules and regulations. We shouldn't be dealing with that. That's staff issues. So that's, that's one of the biggest challenges is to stay focused on, you know, making sure we're financially sound, ethically sound, and, uh, and then let management do the job. As, as the president, you know, and you have got a board that's quite divisive and divided. Uh, how do you shift that as a manager? How do you actually shift it to a place where it can be quite productive and at least working on the same page, although maybe challenging ideas, but actually working as a forward force? Yeah, it was, it was I'll, I'll be very frank, it, you know, back, in those early years, it was such a problem that we ended up, we, we did some things to make changes on the board. We had to actually work aggressively to have, you know, one or two people removed from the board. And that's very, very difficult when these are elected positions. It was that bad though, that we were able to do that. Um, again, I think it's really important. And I'm known, I think <laughs> in the ITU, governance world as being a little bit disrupt, I'd say disruptive, you know, challenge authority, challenge questions, ask questions. I like that. I like people who ask respectfully and, and challenge the status quo. Um, but that's not, um, you know, that's a good thing. But uh, we had a situation where it just wasn't in a positive way. I think there were too many self-interests and not looking out for the whole. It's really important that you, you're not representing, um, a certain a certain group period you 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 are but you've got to look for the best for the sport of triathlon and and i think we lost sight of that but um we're, we're doing great right now and i think uh again usa triathlon's in great position right now to to grow after uh after covid goes away so um you're in a really strong position now and your, your tenure with, with triathlon at uh, USAT and ITU sort of coming to an end. We know you'll still be involved in different capacities, but is yeah. there anything that you didn't achieve that you kind of really wanted to, you know, whether it be you ran out of time or you just didn't get the backing? So yeah, anything you didn't achieve? Well, the biggest disappointment, and I just, it drives me, you know, is, is lack of television coverage um, here in the why? state. Why, why is that the case? Oh my God, it's just so difficult. You know, Ironman has, you know, their race every year at Kona shown on TV, but they pay for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they started way back in the 80s paying for, for time on television. And the cost of doing that is, is just enormous. Um, and we've tried lots of different ways to get, get on television. Um, I don't know that we have necessarily compelling uh, local events, um, you know, our age group national championship has five, 6,000 athletes, but putting that on television isn't, isn't all that exciting. I mean, it would be for those five or 6,000 and their families. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got to find ways to get 
I, I, personally, you know, I know you spoke with Super League, I think it was last week or the week before. Yeah. Uh, you know, events that are exciting like that, I think, have television opportunities. You know, PTO, I think, is, is, has their sights on more media. Uh, I'm not sure that format is as conducive as they believe it to be, but we shall see, I think, pretty quickly. When you're going to the networks or whoever kind of you kind of try to open doors off TV, what kind of feedback do you get about triathlon? Um, not that, not enough eyeballs, not enough eyeballs. The sport's not, you know, we think it's big, but in terms of size and scope, uh, it's just not not as big as we perceive it to be, and just the coverage itself. I mean, obviously. You can't cover an Ironman. You can't cover an eight-hour or ten-hour Ironman very effectively. <clears throat> That's why I think again a, a Super League broadcast is is possible. We did some super sprints back in gosh twenty. I'm going to just say thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, maybe in Las Vegas under the lights. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. I, I actually was the announcer for those events. I like to do. Yeah, you didn't have a pool in a, in a car park. What's that? Did you have a pool in a car park? Was that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was in a car park. And it was, it, it was amazing. Um, yet it didn't get that many people watching it. I mean, it just didn't. Um, you don't get spectators. You don't get, uh, you don't get the eyeballs on television. So it's a, it's a really, really tough sell. We also don't have a lot of partners that are going to then pony up money to pay for advertisements on there. And it's, it's a, a, a not effective circle yet um but, and we've tried different ways i think with the ott opportunities now maybe there are more and again rocky harris our ceo is is extremely media savvy and yet we still have not uh been able to get get that done we also haven't grown you know if there's one disappointment i, I you know we haven't grown over the last several years i uh you know in 2015 16 uh, we use the excuse or 15, 16, 17, uh, that you had all these color run and, mm. and, and tough mudder and the warrior dash and all these new upstart competitions that got people's attention on um, CrossFit. Uh, and, and we, we said that's where the people were going and it kind of is an excuse, but that's when we started the time to try program with Ironman in a very collaborative effort. That was 2017. Uh, and we, we saw a little bit of movement there, but we haven't had the growth. You know, USA has had really steady growth over the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, but it definitely slowed down in the, you know, 2014, 15, 16, 17. And, and uh, you know, can I you, think we're, we're poised to grow after this. Yeah, go ahead. Can you, can you put your finger on why? Well, like I said, I, I just think there's so many activities out yeah. there now and, and so many things going on. Um, I think back to television also, I just want to point out here in the States, you've got the NBA, you've got the NFL, you've got NHL, you've got you know, hockey, football, basketball, um, you've got tennis, golf. You know, there's, there's just a lot of really good sports on television. And, but on the other hand, we're seeing things like cornhole and darts. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a way to do it, but they're paying, a lot of those are paying for their time. They pay for their time on television. We just don't have that kind of money to invest. You know, our money is our membership money. We don't get 
you know, any federal support, anything like that. So you're kind of in a rock and a hard place, aren't you? Because it's kind of like if we could get a good package that we could get eyeballs on TV, then we'd start to get money, which then would start to get you in the right direction. But you're kind of on that back foot, so you can't get that next step ahead. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's really difficult to get it started. You know, years ago, there was a show called Running and Racing. Um, and I mean, many years ago, 80s and 90s, when I was, you know, I was really into running. And it was just a 30-minute quick program on ESPN that showed highlights. They would get a trainer on there who would give you, you know, a two-minute workout. They'd talk about nutrition. They'd show two race highlights, you know, boom, 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 really fast. And we tried to pitch that to the networks a couple of years ago. And it, it just, we did a pilot, cost us about $100,000, $150,000 just to put together a, a, a sample and we thought it was awesome, you know, and you guys would think it was awesome. Uh, they just, they, no one was interested in it. Really yeah. difficult. Really difficult. Great insight. I'll tell you what you need. You just need to get Jeff Bezos involved in triathlon, yeah. and then, uh, <laughs> then, then you'll be sweet. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are so many executives, I mean, really, really serious executives who, who do compete. Um, yeah, but they, they do it very quietly, I guess. Um, just talking about ITU side of things, you're obviously heavily involved in there as well. And when I look at USAT and, and the things you've talked about and observations over the years, I have seen you be quite innovative, you know, in terms of what you did in Vegas. I know you've often got like, you've got your collegiate programs, you've got lots of super sprinty type races on all over the place. This is focused more at the, the elite end. Yeah, I see with ITU, there seems to be this handbrake and they don't seem to be moving with the times very quickly. It's just, you know, Olympic distance everywhere and the same sort of format. And I, I kind of get it, you know, um, but why, why are they so slow to move when it seems fairly obvious to me that, you know, the future of Olympics is going to be Super League and short, sharp action where you are going to get those eyeballs? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I just want to pick up on one thing you just quickly mentioned. We haven't mentioned is one of the biggest achievements at USAT has been that NCAA program. We're very mm. close to making women's triathlon a true NCAA sport. And that's huge, huge, huge. And we have people from all over the world um, coming to universities here in the States now because of that. Having said that, I think you're, you're right on in terms of ITU and you know, I'd be saying this whether I was staying on the ITU board or, or not. Um, I think we're, we're slow and not as creative as, as we need to be. I think, um, you know, a lot of our, of our um, leadership has been in, in place for, for quite a while, and it's been successful. I mean, we got into the Olympics in 2000, um, and now we're going to have mixed relay in the Olympics. So those are great achievements. And we've, we've got to recognize that, you know, that's huge. But having said that, we've got to stay ahead of the game. We can't be following the game. And right now I feel like ITU is perhaps um, maybe following a little bit rather than leading. And I agree, short, fast. Uh, it's interesting. I, you know, as a race director back in the late 90s, I was putting on winter triathlons here in the United States. I always thought winter triathlons should be in the Olympics. And we have been, you know, racking our brain. Uh, I sit on the multi-sport committee and we deal with the winter triathlon. You know, how to grow that? Well, what have we come up with? Short, fast, quick action, you know, quick transitions, circuits, et cetera. So what you're saying is absolutely correct. Um, I think we've got to, we've got to change, but what we've got to, you know, ITU needs to be the leader and not the follower. And right now I think that organizations like Super League, like PTO, 
Um, and, and, and to a lesser degree, even Iron Man, you know, do, do some creative things um, rather than continuing a legacy. But again, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. And when the mixed relay happens in the Olympics, that's going to be pretty freaking awesome. Hmm. Is, it, is it purely a lack of resource? You know, because ultimately, if you had lots of resource and finances, you can kind of have these offshoots that are almost an experimental world, which can help you figure out which ones you should move forward with. Um, but, you know, like often when you are limited in resource and, you know, finances, you do have to kind of play the safe game. I, I don't think it's a lack of resources. Okay. Uh, I think one of the things, you know, you asked about maybe what we haven't achieved at USAT, what we haven't achieved at ITU, my opinion, um, you know, there, there, there's some decent sponsorship. I think there are, there are big opportunities in the area of sponsorship, um, personal opinion, um, you know, and, and that's money coming in. There are other ways to bring money into ITU. So I wouldn't consider it lack of, of resources. I think um, it's just maybe, you know, we, they, everybody works really hard. There's no doubt about it. The staff works really, really hard, but we also have a lot of very committed volunteers, great committee groups, and a lot of people who want to chip in who have good ideas. And so I think there's a great opportunity for ITU to make some really positive steps going forward after uh, this Olympic cycle. What's, what's the sales pitch to sponsors? The sales pitch to sponsors is worldwide media coverage. The sales pitch to sponsors is Olympians like, you know, the Alistair Brownleys of the world uh, and the storytelling that we have. Um, you know, look at the coverage. I don't know if you, you know, saw the, the gentleman, Chris Nikich with, with a Down syndrome did mm -hmm. Iron Man before. I mean, the media coverage on that and the comments I've received from people who have no idea what triathlon is, it's just incredible. And so the storytelling of the sport um, is massive. And we've got to stop talking about these incredible splits that Vincent Louis you know, does is, you know, a 14, 35, you know, 5K or whatever the heck it is, and start talking about the things that, mo in, you know, interest to people. You know, the thing that grew Iron Man wasn't um, necessarily the Dave Scott's and Paul Newby Frazier's of the sport. It, it were those you know, stories, the vignettes that were within the Ironman coverage on NBC or ABC. And that's what got the general public involved in the sport of triathlon. That's what helped grow the sport of triathlon. The whole idea that anything is possible. And, you know, I think, you know, IT would be extraordinary. We, we need to capitalize on that. We need to reach out to the average people. To grow the sport of triathlon is, is, is just, I don't know, it's, it's a tough Tough nut. PTO's banking on the elite angle, and we'll see how that goes. Well, well, let's get your thoughts on PTO, because you have a pretty good insight on a kind of governance side of the sport. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, your thoughts, kind of, you're not a part of it, you're kind of on the sidelines. You know, your thoughts on challenges that they're going to face. Um, obviously, they've got a little bit of money, but a lot of money behind them. Um, just yeah. your thoughts on where they're at and maybe some hurdles you think they'll see. You mean challenges... Uh, that Super League or Pro PTO will face? P PTO, but you do both if you want. Or, or ITU, which one uh, PTO, PTO and, and yeah, Super League. I think, I think um, you know, the media, PTO is banking a lot on media coverage. So this Daytona race, which I just cannot, you know, I think is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, as a fan of triathlon, uh, 
I had hoped it was going to have some television coverage here, and it looks like it's going to be, you know, online coverage. Uh, it will take years. Um, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that they'll get to where they need to be. My personal opinion is I think they need to still reach out to age group athletes. I still think they've got to go beyond strictly the pros. But listen, a couple of the guys involved in that organization that come from the tennis and golf mindset um, know more than I do with that paradigm. I, I don't have that paradigm. Mine is from endurance sports and from triathlon. And you and I have seen, you know, the tri Dubais of the world come, the island houses come, and people pouring money in. Um, this is a bit different, a bit different, but um, I, I, I still think they need to have the, the age group support and involvement. And they're going to have some of that in Daytona. I think they're going to have possibly up to 2,000 people in a triathlon during COVID, uh, which is pretty incredible. Mm. Uh, so I, I wish them luck. Super League's a whole nother, a whole nother ball game. You know, they, they've tried to get age group athletes involved. Um, I know what they're doing here in the States. Uh, they were supposed to put on an event here in Tempe. I now live in Tempe, Arizona on the Ironman Arizona course. And I, I'm looking out my window right now and I can see where they were going to hold the Super League event. Whoa. And it was, you know, very isolated, very small and, I'm not sure how that's going to possibly grow the sport. I, I just don't, I don't know. I think the best thing Super League could do is set an example for ITU to follow. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. learn from them. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know where they're headed. I really don't. I love them. I, I hope they succeed. I hope anyone involved in the sport of triathlon succeeds. But it's, they've got a tough road. Um, now you've also been involved at more of a grassroots level through race directing, clubs, et cetera. Um, successfully a lot of clubs around the world uh, are sort of struggling you know whether it be a governance or whether it just be people joining clubs so i was just wondering if you've got any advice based on successes you've had and and how things have changed over the years on how people can try to make their clubs a little bit more successful yeah i i don't know how it's happened over the years but the way we were so successful and we were enormously successful was we just had that sense of family we, we gave so much to, the, to our participants, and this was more at races, but even some of the clubs back then, you know, I, I just remember being in Boulder, which is where our business was and where we lived for many, many years. And during the heyday of Boulder, and, and Boulder was the epicenter of triathlon as far as I was concerned, um, even the Boulder Triathlon Club was small. The Denver, the Rocky Mountain Triathlon Club was small. The, the big clubs that I see being successful, I'm now in, in, like I said, in Arizona, there's a Tri-Scottsdale group that's very successful and they do a lot of group, group rides, group runs, a lot of social activities. I think people want to be part of a community and, uh, you know, just that whole social aspect. But I got to be really honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of removed from that. I don't have a great sense for it. And although I've, you know, my wife and I toyed at one time with starting a club I, I almost feel like if you start a club as a for-profit club, you might be more successful because it drives you to, to deliver value to people rather than these non-profit clubs that try to exist on volunteers. Well, it's interesting, Barry. I, I have a running club, which is very much a for-profit running club. And I think, yeah. you know... He's making millions. He's making millions, <laughs> I tell you. But, but um, 
But more importantly, I think is A, you can just deliver a much higher level of service. Absolutely. You know, our service level is pretty phenomenal, really. Um, but B, you also have a marketing dollar. And so, you know, we can afford to pay to get people to join us, basically. Um, right. And then so then your long term, you've actually got money to grow your audience. Whereas I think a lot of clubs just have no money. And, it's, and also it's kind of the same three people end up doing everything so they get burnt out, whereas we can afford to employ people to offload work and stuff. And so, I, you know, exactly. now admittedly, because we are a paid product, we kind of, there is a, an aspect of the community we don't help, um, but we, we probably are the biggest running club in New Zealand, maybe in participation wow. levels, um, and we're a paid product. And, you know, it's because we can deliver that higher level of service. And fundamentally, like to get someone to join our club, we're paying about 90 to $100 to get someone to join our club. Um, we have the money to be able to do that. Uh, whereas, you know, local triathlon clubs or local running clubs just don't have that budget. So it's, it's, yeah. it, it is a different challenge. Yeah, that's really, really great to hear for you. And, and I think the LA, I think the Los Angeles Tri Club is a for-profit and very successful. One of those out there, I think it's LA Tri Club. But I, I think, I think if, if I were to start today and, and try to have a triathlon club, I'd make it for-profit for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the only last question I've got, and I love getting all your insight on the various different topics, is just um, getting athletes' expectations in the right place. Now, USAT is quite different to other smaller national federations around the world, but you know, um, everyone always puts the boot in. Well, at least in New Zealand, they go, bloody triathlon New Zealand's not doing this, that, and the other thing, and, and I'm sure it's similar in other places around the world. So I guess, yeah, what's your advice to athletes in terms of getting their expectations in the right place? and what they should expect and hope to receive from this sort of national federation? Well, I think, I think federation should invest in the athletes and, and give, you know, give them the opportunities to race. What bothers me around the world is, is so many countries that are represented at the ITU level don't even have races. And I think we've got you know, to do everything we can to, to provide events um, I had the opportunity and one of the biggest thrills and, and, and honors that I had during my years was to help start triathlon in the country of Benin, Africa, very, very small country in Africa, never had a triathlon ever. And myself with the U.S. Embassy over there put on a little triathlon, um, swam in a swamp. Uh, the water was, I can't, you, you can't even believe we, we went walked in it, let alone swam in it. Mm-hmm. We biked on dirt. We ran on dirt and we had a blast. And since that time, they've done not as many triathlons, but a lot of duathlons. And I think we've just got to keep helping, particularly smaller countries grow. Uh, Africa, for example, maybe some of the islands in in Oceania. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'd like to see personally in the future of triathlon. That's not really answering your question, what can athletes expect from places like try you know, New Zealand or, or Australia, et cetera, but they've got to, they should expect leadership. They should expect resources. They should expect, um, you know, I want to coach, I want to coach people. How can I be a triathlon coach? And I'll give them, you know, give the resources. So of course at USAT, you know, I know in, in G- Great Britain, Australia, they have, I'm sure in Mexico, certified, you know, courses in, in how to be a coach. ITU has courses on how to be a coach. Uh, we've got to get out there and do that. I think mm-hmm. we've also got to help grow women uh, in coaching uh, also. So mm-hmm. lots of opportunities out there that the national federations should be driving forward. Barry, why the, why the step away and why handball? <laughs> 
<laughs> why what? Why step away from triathlon and, and, yeah, yeah. Well, and what handball? Well, of all well, actually, I'm taking a leave from handball. I, I'm resetting everything I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm stepping away and, uh, you know, in the, in the next third of my life, uh, going to figure out what I'm going to do, you know? So right now I'm taking what's called a deliberate pause in December and, um, I'll see what, I'll see what I'm going to do. You know, I might, I might become a boxer. Who knows? Masters boxing. That's right. Watch out, watch out, Billy Fury. Mike Tyson, he's got, you've got him. He's lost 45 kgs. I saw on the news this morning. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> well no, i yeah i just love sport i just want to keep helping you know helping people achieve whatever they they can achieve in terms of health wellness and physical fitness so yeah, sure yeah. Do it's got to be said mate um you know it, you know i'm sure you'll always be a part of triathlon in some way shape or form yeah, but for sure. what you've given to the sport is well appreciated by you know so many people around the world the, the impact you've had and uh, you yeah. can be really proud of the legacy you've left with the sport it's a really amazing thing mate yeah so thanks Thank for your time today barry means a lot to me. Thanks, guys. And hopefully we'll see you out in Kona over the next couple of years, huh? Yeah, yeah fingers good. crossed. Hey. All right. Great interview, isn't it? What it insight. Is. I, I love speaking to someone. I remember a while ago I was watching, uh, I like my league, and so I was watching some league thing, and some guy who was just like, like a sideline commentator was, you know, spouting off about something. But then they had a guy who was actually in the organization, mm. and he was like, oh, no, here's the real problem. You, you can't see it from the angle that we're seeing it from. Mm. And it's quite good just sometimes to get people who are actually in the world to show some insight. And he, Barry's just obviously a pretty wise man. Um, just some really good insight there, wasn't there? It was indeed. So some, big, some big problems for the sport, really, isn't there? Yeah, but I think, I, yes, it is. Um, but it's big problems for lots of fringe sports like what we, we've got in terms of getting coverage and just getting eyeballs and stuff like that. It's not an easy fix. A lot of fringe sports must hate darts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, because darts has become like mainstream. Yeah, du, 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 du. and but it's entertaining. It is. I mean, you see a lot of sports succeeding when I bet there's a lot of betting on darts in terms of gambling, oh, and you kind of wonder if if Super League could bring that in. Not that I'm advocating oh, no, for uh, this. Um, yeah, but nothing with gambling as long as it's not a problem. Yeah, uh, but that's. One way you can get money, in and then, then then you maybe get the the non triathletes watching a little bit more. Um, but I just think Super League's the answer. You know, people are going to sit there for you know twenty to thirty minutes to watch a race. Um, they're not going to sit. It was funny when we were, when we were interviewing Barry. Then I was thinking about Louis Louis the Fly, uh, Louis Di Giuseppe. Um and Louis is the ultimate fell in love with the eighties triathlon. You know what I mean? Like Louis loves triathlon, and he's he's this guy who's been in the sport since. The early 80s, you know, when he met, I remember when he met Melina, he was like, he met God, you yeah. know, like he's just this guy who just has this passion for the sport. And he fell in love with the sport when there was a good media coverage and there, there were these kind of stories and stars. Where do the young kids today find that? Mm. Instagram and uh, YouTube and short, sharp stuff. TikTok. Mm. Yeah, I wonder what triathlon's presence on TikTok and Instagram is. Don't know. So one thing Barry was telling us before the interview that on one of our interviews we did from years ago, we actually called him the voice of American Try and someone gave him for a gift, or maybe one of our listeners, I don't know, but someone gave him a gift, this really cool kind of plaque made up of number plates, the voice of American Try and it was really it was proud of it. Very well done. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Good man. Good man, like giving to the sport. Mm. Absolutely awesome. John, do you want to hear some music? Corner? I want some music. Oh, here we go. 
Coach's Corner. Okay, John, you 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 need to get your balance in life, right in life. Well, you do, and I think when when I start talking about this, we're going to have lots of experienced athletes going, "Oh, this sucks! I kind of know how to do this." Uh, but when I watch a lot of experienced athletes, they really struggle with it. So what I'm going to be talking about is basically riding out of your seat and getting some balance while while you're climbing. Um, and I think this is going to become a, a real issue over the coming years as we move forward and everyone's doing so much riding indoors I think their bike handling skills are going to go to custard uh, True. and that's going to well, really um, affect your riding who's the mayor Ben who always did indoor training you know he's a really fast athlete uh, he hasn't done that well in Kona yet but he got a second one year I think got second or third uh, you've lost smack me. talker Lionel Sanders Lionel Sanders he went yep. back on the road because he was doing all indoor training because he had a crash or was, yeah. you know and yeah, so he just liked it yeah. yeah you know and then next you realized his bike skills were being underdeveloped so mm. he went back on the road so it's having that ability uh, we've had some really windy days down here recently and um, just learning to ride out in the wind is really important um, and then if you've got any hills whatsoever um, it's going to improve your performance if you can actually climb correctly out of your seat um, for so for no extra effort you can go faster by generating more power. So, um, yeah, so I guess what I'm trying to get across today is going to be learning how to rock your bike when you're out of the seat. Um, so it's going to give you more power. Um, it's going to give you better balance on the bike, and uh, which means more power and less wasted energy. And this came up on um, a recent Epic Camp as well. One of the really strong riders, you know, he was getting out of his seat, uh, and I was watching him, and I was like, He's not rocking his bike at all. He's sort of standing up straight, and there's a little bit of tiny rock from side to side. Mm. And I was like... Gave him a tip, and I think the problem is you can't see yourself doing it. So if you're out riding with a mate and you're or, or some you know a group, and you see people like this, they get out of their seat and they don't rock at all. Give them some feedback if you if you feel comfortable to do so, because most people don't have a clue. They, they just think they're doing it correctly, but in, in a huge number of uh, instances, I see people doing it very very poorly, and you're just missing out a lot of energy. Okay, so what are the, what are the errors in the fixes? Um, firstly, is the hand position, and I mainly I see this a lot of the time in the kids. So I'm mainly going to talk about climbing out of the seat in a on a road bike because in a TT bike, your hand position is fairly well fixed. Um, so I see a lot of kids they instead of having their hands on the top of the brake hoods, they kind of have them almost on top of the handlebars, so they haven't really got any of their their weight on top of the hood. So the first thing would be is get your hands balancing more on top, uh, sort of spread between the hand, where the handlebars connect to your brake hoods. So you're trying to balance probably pretty evenly the pressure um, on those two points. If you come any further back towards the, the sort of uh, top part of your tube, then you, you're just not going to be able to get that balance and an even pressure through your hands. So hand position is really important. One thing that I quite often see, um, <clears throat> and this can actually be a real problem if you're riding long distances, not so much for climbing out of your seat, but if you have your brake hoods too far down the, the bendy parts of your uh, your handlebars, then your, your wrists can kind of be cocked. I'm, uh, this is really poor podcasting because so I'm just showing Bevan. Yep. Your wrists are kind of cocked He's cocking a little his bit forward. And, and not that, cocking something else. That can, be, uh, can put a real strain through through your wrists and give you some real uh, issues further down, sort of RSI type issues further down the track. So make sure your brake hoods are positioned in a way that when your hands sit on top of them, when you're in kind of a neutral sitting position, that your hands aren't sort of twisted forward. Um, so yeah, hand positioning, getting your weight fairly well forward with, with in terms of your hands, so probably roughly half of it sitting on top of your brake hood and a little bit of uh, your weight still just just back onto the, uh, onto the handlebars. 
Um, then you want to have your fingers, um, a couple of your fingers between the brake levers uh, sort of wrapping underneath your hoods. Sometimes I see people with their fingers all the way down the front of their brakes and if you hit something then you're quite likely to actually put your brakes on. Uh, so a couple of fingers underneath your brake hoods and your sort of thumbs wrapped around the top so you kind of gripping around your hoods without your fingers being out the front. Um, then it comes down to actually getting out of your seat and, and rocking your bike and this is probably the easiest area to, to fix through doing some, some fairly basic so when you say drills. rocking your bike, describe what you mean. So when your left foot, uh, so say for example if your right foot is down at the bottom of your pedal stroke, yep. then you're pushing your bike to the left hand side. Okay. Um, so, so rocking is side to side. Side to side. Um, so your body is staying pretty much stationary in a, in a sort of vertical position and your bike is rocking side to side. So effectively your that, seat is kind of going from, you know, maybe outside your right butt cheek to just a little bit outside your left well, butt Which cheek. is really interesting because you watch pure technique and it's the people are moving from side to side, mm. not the bike. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so the bike, fundamentally your body's going to have a little bit of sideward motion, but mm. it's really kind of more of a still thing where you're just trying to pull that power through. We're using your arms to rock yeah. the bike from side to side. So, um, so it's really common. And, and just... Do some observations yourself when you're out there riding, uh, especially with if you're with an intermediate or even an advanced group, I see this quite a lot, is ride behind others and watch them when they get out of their seat and see if there is any movement. As I said, the easiest way to, to pitch it, to, to spot it, is is that person's seat actually sort of swaying across behind their backside. Um, so a really easy way to try to fix this is not necessarily go and ride more more hills, and uh, you can practice on the hill, but a, but a first step is to actually just go into a car park, a grass area, or a quiet street, quiet street, um, get a little bit of sp speed up, and then just freewheel, put your right foot down, and then try to shift your bike across whilst keeping your um, your your handlebars facing forward and your front wheel facing forward, and just freewheel and try to get your bike almost to like a 45 degree angle. You won't get to 45, but if you can sort of be aiming for that. So you need to push your, your if, if you've got your right foot down, you push your left uh, arm out and your right arm will bend a bit and you're just trying to balance and freewheel holding that sort of towards 45 degree angle. Once you start to lose some speed, do a couple more pedal strokes to get yourself back up to speed and then switch to the other side. So this sort of drill is an over-exaggeration of what you're actually going to be doing when you're climbing, but really trying to over-exaggerate that lean and just start to get the feel for it. Um, it's good to do that with a, with a mate, so maybe if you're going out for a group ride, just pull into a park somewhere and just both practice it and give each other some, some feedback. Um, and then the next stage in that is putting your bike into a really big gear, so into your big chain ring and, uh, and one of the small cogs on the back, and then actually practice that getting out of the seat uh, in a big gear on the flat and rocking your bike. And then the third step is actually then to go out and uh, do it on a hill, so graduate yourself up to a hill. Um, you know, if you can effectively get out of your seat, for climbing, um, then you can also effectively get out of your seat when you're just doing a you know a general endurance ride or in a race, uh, and just to give yourself a break from that aero position, um, which is really important as you're going through you know a half or a full yeah. Ironman on a, on a flat course, or if you're going just over a really small um, small climb just to break things up a bit. So I know it's a bit of a basics topic this one, but I just see so many experienced athletes getting it wrong and. Often you don't know that you're doing it wrong, so get well, somebody. It's, it's to video inefficient, you. isn't it? Oh, very inefficient. Yeah, and, and when we think about an Ironman, we want to be as efficient as possible. It's free speed, free well, free free power, yeah. um, which will translate to free speed. So get off the trainer a little bit. Obviously not if you're in the middle of winter, but uh, and get practicing. 
Okay, John, we're going to talk about a sponsor, the Legends brand. Uh, there's something I think most of us are very familiar with at our athletes. We focus on the physical training, but we all forget to feel 100% confident in other aspects of our life, like your equipment, your diet, and especially your clothes. We are excited to bring a new brand that we've been on for a while, haven't they, John? Yeah. Uh, they're called the Legends brand. They're all over social media. You get a chance to try them out. Now they're a podcast partner. Legends brand's collection has a variety of different apparel, but it is great that they feature all performance tech materials you can expect, but also have the flexibility to customise with tons of options of colours, inseam length, and even built-in uh, optional built-in liner. Check out Legends investors' names include Baker Mayfield. These people we don't know, John. Yes. Oh, Matt Barnes. Oh, Matt Barnes. <laughs> oh, mate. I didn't know Steve Nash. Um, and Quavo from the Migos. Oh, Quavo from the. They've actually described that for us, haven't they? Uh, so it speaks volumes about the quality of the brand, and the world's top athletes are willing to back it. Our podcast partner, the Legends Brand, is now offering the listeners a chance to try their shorts or anything else from their collection. Go to legendsbrand.com/imt in capitals to get and use the discount code IMT20 to get twenty percent off. John, your good. thoughts? Well, it's good because I was. Uh, I said to Belinda, I need. Uh, I said. We're thinking Christmas shopping time now. I got the question the other day. What do you want for Christmas? Yep. And I said, I need a, a nice, just a casual sweatshirt. A bit like what you're wearing today, Bevan. A little bit like that. And I've we, got a we, funny story I'm going to tell you. We, we, we were looking around and I just thought that Legends brand stuff is kind of what I want. Just nice yeah. casual gear and you can wear it casually at home. You don't feel a dick when you're going out. It's, it's not just really a nice home. cut. Yeah. So the hoodies are cool. They've got plenty of cool running shorts um, with with liners, with outliners, um, t-shirts, and just cool, simple-looking stuff. And you get a great discount. So it's if you're in the states, use the promo code IMTalk20. They don't sort of ship worldwide, um, but great way to to get a present for somebody in your family. And it's nice because it's got your sporting gear, but it's also just got a bit more of your casual apparel. Mm. And uh, I tell you what, those hoodies are so cool. Mm. I live in a hoodie. Great. I've always got a hoodie on. Yeah. I, like I, I recently just He has got a hoodie on right now. He's yeah. not lying. Yeah. No, seriously. I love hoodies. Hoodies are my thing because I'm pretty gangster. Yeah. You know, pop a cap in you. Okay. <laughs> so check out the legendsbrand.com. Now, unfortunately, the discount code only happens for our US listeners, but uh, make sure you use it and you get 20% off using the discount code IMT, all in capital letters, in 2020. John, let's go winger of the week. week. I'm just logging in, Bevan. Uh, we had uh, some feedback from Helen, who was the wanger of the week, uh, I think it was last week or the week before. Oh, yeah. She'd been on Epic Camp, and then that week she hadn't ridden her bike at all. She still hasn't ridden her bike. Oh, really? But she was actually up, uh, I think she was up near Tongariro, which is one of our big sort of national parks. See what, everyone's doing that race this year. She was walking for a few few days. They've got the Tongariro what is it, Classic. Oh, uh, Tongaroo, I'm the, not sure. The race, whatever it is. Right. Um, oh, Tararua, sorry. Tararua, different. Yeah, sorry, different, different. But I tell you what, everyone's doing Tararua. Right. God, the amount of people Tararua doing Tararua Ultra. Yeah, it's a massive race. Right. Uh, John, I'm going to say 25. 25. No reason, I just picked it out. Matt Price. Oh, good old Matt Price. Yeah. Price is right. The price is right. He's 16 hours and 35 minutes of training. He didn't do any swimming. He did 10 hours and 2 minutes of cycling and 6 hours and 32 minutes of running so good on you Matt Price you are our wanger of the week and he's from London in the United Kingdom uh, he's from the Renegade Tri Club that's his primary club uh, and looks like he's also does some fundraising for at uk.virginmoneygiving.com tell you what Matt and I are pretty similar in ability because mm-hmm. as fast as half I'm slightly faster than him mm-hmm. this is on Strava but Marathon I'm probably slightly faster but we're pretty close to it. he's beat me in a 10 
I beat him in a fight, but I could do a thirteen forty-seven. So, uh, so he's a pretty good runner. What's your half marathon time? Well, it's only one eighteen. Not. Tw- oh, you're beating me. Mine's one nineteen thirty-three on here. One eighteen fifty-nine. That was in Queenstown. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Could be faster. Matt Price. I think at my prime, I probably would have been. What do you reckon? One fourteen. One. Yep. One fourteen. In my prime, I never really did half marathons. It's the disappointing thing about being a triathlete. You often miss out on doing those. Yeah. Given those. Half, marathon, half marathon's a great race because mm. it's almost like a it's a really good challenge, isn't it? I don't say my half marathon all time PRs one nineteen. I ran a bloody quicker than that last year. Oh well, no, you didn't. Anyway. If it's not on Strava, John, it's not true. <laughs> uh, so what was it's it? So Price? funny. So, you're so right when you say that. Like last week, I forgot my watch for something. And you're like, it's, I don't care that it's not on Strava. I just care that it's not recorded. <laughs> and then somebody running last night uh, didn't have his watch. It's just you just. You're lost without it these days. It's such a motivator, isn't it? It is. You know, hey, it works for people. Get some training more. So, it's so Matt Price, you are our winner of the week. week. Okay, John, what else have I got here? I've closed off my show notes. <laughs> John's swim set. Today's okay. swim set. Okay, that's what I was thinking. bloody fresh this morning. I was a little outdoor? bit outdoor. Six o'clock, well, 5.50 start. No wetsuit. No wetsuit. Oh, that <laughs> is ballsy. Pretty, it was, no, it's not a swimming pool. It's not that ballsy. Uh, oh, it's still pretty cold. It was pretty fresh. I think it was about seven degrees when I was biking down there, something like that. Um, so I thought, right, we're not standing around for long today. So we did a 600 warm-up where we repeated 100 freestyle and then 100 IM. And then we did six 400s, descend one to three, four to six. So sort of steady, moderate, hard, steady, moderate, hard. Four lengths warm down, then we're out. We banged out 3K and 3.2K in something like 52 minutes or something like that. Uh, so we were in and out pretty quick. But we were swimming in the world's slowest uh, swimming pool, which is called Waltham. Nice to swim in. God, it's slow. So that was today's swim set. That sucks. John, we have been talking about Hayden Wild being an absolute rock star recently. But if you go on YouTube, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, Richard Murray, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, actually. It was the, a few weeks. It was in October. I get the feeling you don't listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. 2802. It was very impressive. He did a... a How did he be? Richard Murray, well, you can you can search it. I'll say he is going to be thirty two. Would okay, be my guess. Yeah, but he he was he's married to Rachel Klamer, and they were in I don't know Holland. Who, who's she? She's a very good ITU athlete. What'd you say? She's a very good ITU. No no athlete. no no. Harold. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. She was a very good ITU athlete. Okay, okay. Still is. She's been around for quite a while, but she's been nice and consistent. Wait, 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 wait. How old did you think he was? Thirty two. Oh, so close, but so far away. Yeah, thirty three. Thirty one. If you've done this next month or two months from now, you'd be right. <coughs> right. Anyway, he went around a 10K just by himself, solo TT. He had a few bikes and stuff around him. But Jeez, he's lean. He's my height <coughs> and he's 70 kg. Yeah, he was. He was uh, is he your height, really? Well, they're saying he's 180. I'm 181. I thought he was. I thought he was really short. Yeah, no, no. It's, well, so they're saying he's 181. 180. Uh, this is Wikipedia. It might not be true. No, I, I dispute that. Fake news. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> it's fake news. He didn't even run this fast, John. Yeah. His, his uh, file was doctored. <laughs> it's fake news. Anyway, to go out and run 28.02 by yourself in a solo TT with nothing on the line, which he did in late October, is pretty bloody impressive. Now, if he is 70kg, when I was doing triathlon, I'm pretty, always been pretty lean man. I'm not, not muscular and bulky. Um, I think when I, when I, at my peak, I probably got down to about 76. 
and I look like a skin and bones. Well, I'm 70, and I thought he was shorter than me. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying a little bit at the moment. I think, we're, I think this is fake news. I, I guarantee it's fake news. news. Yeah, fake news. But the run was not fake news. It was a bloody good effort. Um, Epic Camp is in mini in March. Well, this Where might this be happening. Oh, actually, it's going to be in April. Uh, it oh. hasn't, hasn't been officially announced yet, So, uh, but this I'm quite excited about. Planning on doing a mini Epic Camp in the top of the South Island. Amazing uh, scenery. Wait a second. This is not the one you were talking about earlier. No, this is another this is a, one. This is, a, this is the announcement. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. So, mini epic camp. It's only going to be five, four days, five nights. Uh, we're going to start in Nelson, head across to Taka, which oh, is an amazing climb. That hill's uh, a good challenge. Yeah, it's a 16k climb. Uh, down to Taka, and then we're going to go to the t- very tip of the South Island um, at Cape, no, what's it called? Cape Farewell? Mm. Farewell Cap Farewell Spit Sorry Farewell Spit I knew it was Farewell something Farewell Spit And there's going to be Some awesome running And then we're just Going to come back Through via Murchison Back to Nelson It's going to be A four day trip Five nights Haven't even said Any pricing or anything Like that But if you like The sound of the Epic Camp It's going to be In April um, Mid April going to be stunning some really cool runs pretty excited about the runs we'll still be open water swimming so we should be able to open water swim every day uh, and it's a wicked part of the country and there's going to be next to no traffic and obviously we're probably thinking Kiwi listeners only at this stage yep, for March Kiwi listeners only yep okay John we have got a bit of sad news really uh, a local triathlete and a good bugger by the name of Craig Petrie unfortunately passed away about two weeks ago a week and a half ago got yeah and a horrible horrible story out riding uh, mm. by car yeah. Um, I don't know the details, uh, that much detail, but unfortunately he passed away. Yes, yeah, so he was riding with someone else, got hit by a car. I'm not sure if he got from behind or from the side, but the problem, uh, well, it's horrific news, but oh, he's got a really young family and he emigrated to New Zealand, so from the UK, and so he's out here with his wife, his, his kids are... Uh, Breaks your heart. So right now, John and I, have got. we're going to promote the Give a Little page, which is where you can donate to support them. Um, and they've got the family photo, and it's just heartbreaking. Like, I know his wife, Daniela, she ran mm. with us for a while, um, and she's just this real awesome, awesome person, really lovely, great heart. And I, I never knew Craig a lot. He'd come along and support her, so I had a yarn to him. Mm. What was he like? Oh, he was an awesome guy, just, you know, just go get us sort of guy. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, I used to give him a program, and he came on one of my camps, so I saw him fairly regularly. But, yeah, top bloke, really, really young family, immigrated out here, Got a really good. Luckily, they've just got a good support network for the for his wife um, for now. Yep. But this is this give a little page is more to try to help out with funeral costs and the stuff they're going through now, and to help his kids, you know, further down the track. So if you can give a little, um, we'll have a link on our I am Talk page. Um, but really top bloke and. Yeah, he's going to be um, sadly missed. So look after yourself out Jeez, there. Jeez, I hope they had life insurance. Mm. You know what I mean? When you've got a young family, guys, if you've not got a life insurance, get it. It's, oh, just, what a, just how horrible to go through this. Mm. And the kids are both under five. You know, just like you look at the photo, and I know photos, you know, but they're just a good, happy family. Mm. And um, oh, just, just so, so tragic. Um, so we'll put a link to the Give a Little page on our website, www.imtalk.me, and uh, you can go support them if you can. John, let's talk about our patrons. We've got William Spectre Moore. We've got Ken, the mighty red Welsh. And Yancey, the man of fashion Arrington. Oh, good old Yancey. That's a good name, eh? 
It is indeed. Good old Yinzy. Uh, John, let's talk about our sponsor. The Legends brand. Go to thelegendsbrand.com slash IMT and use promo code IMT20 for 20% discount. Uh, if you're in the States, go shopping. Get yourself some Christmas stuff. Get some cool gear. Uh, if you want to get your email to you, go to www.imtalk.me, bottom of the front page. Uh, you can also become a patron there. Just go through the process. You help the boys do the show. Uh, you just, you know, you're a good person. That's right. You know, you're right. Not, we like you're, good people. If you're not as patron, you're not a good person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to get some coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com, my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com, other cool website content, sorry, age group of week, cool websites, feedback, you can do it on our website or email me at mm. imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. So it's a race. Oh, and unfortunately, I've got to cancel a race tomorrow. Watch it. Well, let's let's have a look. I'm. I'm He's looked I'm, at the weather I'm twenty times the in the last we- 12, 15 minutes. The weather forecast. I've I've got to organise or help organise the local primary schools triathlon. We have like six hundred kids, including mine, and my son is desperate to do it. Uh, and I, and they're going, don't cancel it. Where is it going to be? It's out in the middle of nowhere in a, in a lake. It's where I have the Oxman. So it's a great course, but there's no shelter whatsoever. The forecast is. Uh, rain easing in the evening high of 17 degrees and if they're racing it's going to be at about 14 14 degrees celsius and god meet service get your weather right uh pretty much raining i think so probably gonna have to cancel it which is gutting Mm. so that's a bit of a bugger uh and then i've got another race at the weekend the pack and save triathlon festival so it's all go on that front getting ready for events but it's cool and feel very grateful that we have events down here at the weekend bevan we had the, the local school fair Oh, did you? Kids, I did a bit of a bad thing, and I feel like a bit of a doofus. Wait a second, wait a second. Did you help out? No, I helped out. Yeah, I yeah what, was, out. what was your I thing? I went and sold uh, cookbooks and wax paper wraps, uh, so for like sandwiches and stuff, bees, beeswax wraps. Um, you sell some weird things. Sorry? Well, because you had Thomas selling paper pads. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> you're, you're this is people trying to see. This is my phone ringing about the race tomorrow. Ring, all right. Okay, I'll call you back. Um, and... I rock up at 12 o'clock. I think my duty was starting at 12.30. I knew Thomas was going to be on the dunking machine. Oh, where, good fun. Um, where you throw the, t- yeah, the tennis ball yeah. at it. Was he up. sitting on the seat? It was a, just as I rocked up, massive crowd, and uh, and he was first up. And this was first. Nobody had even had a go. Nobody was sort of standing up to have a go. Oh, so I, you were like, I'm going to be first. I, I was yeah. getting up there. <laughs> and I think there was one person maybe went before me. And... And that person hit the target, but the, the didn't go down. You, you oh. had to hit the target really, really hard. Okay. So I went and got my balls. I got six balls. <laughs> First few, didn't even get it. Like, di- you know, you've got the, it's like a backboard and the target in the middle. Yeah. Didn't even touch the backboard. <laughs> so, oh, God. You, and there's a big crowd. So then you're going, just go safe. Just, just safe. Go safe. And then I managed to hit it on the outside once and it didn't drop down. And after six or seven throws, I just walked up and pressed it and dunked <laughs> it. But oh, that was kind of funny and the crowd went crazy but it was the wrong thing to do right. <laughs> yeah, but when your up. son's sitting up there it was pretty priceless did, but did he see the fun, the fun in it or was he a bit upset no he wasn't upset he was okay, okay. with it but okay. he got it. When, you, when you go under it's like yeah. it was pretty cold I think so that was my Saturday we had our kids fortune favoured the brave on Sunday the weather over here was horrendous yep. um, we went over the other side of town for our training session for the juniors which we nearly cancelled but we didn't and it's Bucketing down, I'm thinking, this is just stupid. What are we doing here? Got over there, and it was windy as hell, but uh, the sun was almost out, and we had a great session. So that was my weekend. What about this weekend? This weekend is just all about the race. Huh. 
Mm. Good. I watched uh, Rocket Man, the movie at the weekend. Did uh, you like Elton, it? Elton John. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. People got critical of it. I liked it. I quite liked it. Yeah. I've yeah. read his book as well. So the, book's, yeah, the, book, the book gives a better insight into his life, but yeah. the movie sort of gives you a bit of a taster. What book am I reading right now? Reading. Oh, I'm reading. You know what I'm reading, John? What? I'm reading. It's called The Penguin History of New Zealand. Now, it's not the history of penguins in New Zealand. Yeah. But it's The History of New Zealand by Michael King. Right. Which came out about. I think it came out about more maybe 12, 15 years ago. I think Belinda mentioned that this morning to the kids, I think. Oh, well, it's really fascinating because how much time have you spent learning New Zealand's history? Very little. Yeah, totally, neither. Kiwis and, are terrible at this stuff. Yeah, and our history's so young. Mm. You know, and, um, and this guy, Michael King, I think he may have passed away a few years ago, but um, very famous New Zealand historian, and he's written a book that starts pretty much from day one, uh, or at least of you know people living in the country. Um, and it's it's fascinating, John. It's it's a really good read. Softback, hardcover, or Kindle. on Kindle. Yeah, Kindle. Every, I, 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 Kindles. I can't read normal books now. Oh, I love normal books. No, I'd John. Much prefer it. You need a light. I got, I got four for four for four dollars at the at the the jumble sale at the. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's true. You can get them cheaper. Although Kindles are pretty cheap. Yeah. Kindle books are pretty cheap. You would, I'd never buy a book from Whitcalls nowadays. Only as a gift. Oh, like that Barack Obama book was coming out and I was just at Whitcalls. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'll read or not, but that was like 50, 60 bucks. Right. For a book. Jeepers, creepers. Uh, John, okay, I'll go to Dilemma. Tell me what you're going to do. Sorry? I'll go to Dilemma. Tell me what you do. Okay. So I ordered some clothes. I, 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 about <clears throat> two months ago, I woke up and I was like, oh, I was... You haven't bought any new clothes in two and a half years. Like, hadn't bought anything. And luckily, I get a bit of Reebok stuff for free. So, my sporting stuff's well looked after. Mm. But normal clothes, I haven't bought. So, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to go all out. Because normally, what happens with Joe and I is we, we're lucky that we get to travel and we'll shop when we travel. So, what we'll do is we'll go to, like, if we're in Australia, we'll go to, like, an outlet mall because we're tired. Because you're tired, houses. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll buy, like, a thousand bucks worth of clothes. You know, I'll go mm. all out and it'll do me for, like, a good year or so. Um, and so I thought to myself, you know what, I was, because we were good budgeted, so I had my Bevan column. Mm-hmm. My Bevan column had quite a bit of money sitting in it because I haven't spent mm-hmm. any money on myself for a while. So I thought, I'm going to spend like 2000 bucks worth of clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go all out because yep. it's been so long. And, I, and it was a good move because I, I went through my drawers and I literally threw out everything I owned because I was that, that tired. So when I bought all these clothes, uh, one of the companies I bought from, who I bought from in the past, John, they are terrible to deal with. Mm-hmm. Terrible. So, A, I ordered in September. It arrived last Thursday. Right. You know, now some of the other companies I bought through online, because I did this all online, mm-hmm. arrived within 10 days. And this is being shipped from New Zealand, not overseas. Uh, I think overseas. Okay. Okay. So, I think from Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but other companies ship from similar places and comes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this company, one time I tried to do the return thing. So, I've got to say, Germany. I bought, <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, luck. Yeah. But, well, exactly, John. It was absolutely hopeless. Now, this is all me justifying, so you're going to find out in a second. So, whereas other companies, like there's a company called ASOS, which yeah. I bought some clothes on. Great service. Mm-hmm. Fast fast shipping. Um, if you want to return anything, my trick with ASOS, if you buy anything, buy the same thing in three sizes. Mm-hmm. And then you, because the fit's always a bit funny. But the shipping, the return's really great. You, you send it back. They give you a postage bag. It doesn't cost you anything. You drop it off the post shop. Your money's in the bank next week later. So, really good. This company... I tried to return one thing. I had to deal with customer service, like 20, 20 emails. Painful, mm. painful, painful. So this is all me justifying. So last Thursday, clothes finally arrived. Now, I had spent $800 with this company. Yeah. So I bought a lot of clothes. Yeah. But they arrived. Pretty happy with all the clothes. Actually, it was nothing I needed to return. Pretty stoked. 
we go away for the weekend, John, and, and all my all the clothes that I bought two months ago have finally arrived, and I'm thinking, mm. sweet, all good. Get back from Queenstown because we took the group of runners down to the Queenstown Half Marathon. There's a box at the door, John. Mm. I'm thinking, what's this box from? It was from the same company who had that arrived last year, and I thought maybe there's one thing I'd forgot that they, mm. but the box was really big, John. Mm. They've sent me the same package twice. Oh, see now I've got my clothes. Oh, I think I've got quite my size. <laughs> so, so I've got the whole thing twice. Yeah. So, what do you do, John? It's a medium to big size company. <laughs> I presume. Oh, it's a massive company. Keep it. If it was a, if it was a, <laughs> a tiny, down the road. Ma, if it was a New Zealand small, tiny business, I'd return it. But uh, keep it. You, you, you keep Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt. Okay, so there you go. I think I'm, I'm going to get her on your side of things. Yeah, okay. Do you get anything in small size or is it no, all... No, uh, it's all too big for you. Yeah. Because I'm huge. Yeah. So oh. so I've got enough fashion to last me three years. Good. But in two years from my year, I might go, oh, see that top, but it looked old. Yeah. But now it looks new again. Yeah. So if they contact me, I'll, I'll return it. Right. Um. But yeah, it was a funny situation, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so there's my social dilemma. Yeah. I think no dilemma as far as I'm concerned. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, if they bring me, I'll say, look, John Newsom said. Yeah. Yep. Send him the invoice. There we go. So that's my dilemma this week, John. Let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.